Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Poetry Superhighway Live. It's our very first broadcast. My name is Rick Lupert from the Poetry Superhighway. I'm happy to have you listening. Uh, today, our very first show, I'll be interviewing the judges of our 10th annual poetry contest, our currently running contest. And we'll get to them in just a few minutes, but I want to give you a couple words about Poetry Superhighway Live. So this is our first broadcast. And our intention is to have many more broadcasts, and uh, we have a few ideas I'd like to share with you. Uh, we're considering doing a monthly open reading, which you'd have the chance anyone in the world could call in and share a poem. We're going to be doing other interviews with featured poets and other kinds of special events as well. And uh, this broadcast with Blog Talk, Blog Talk Radio really grew out of the Poetry Superhighway chat room, which is, of course is just an online Uh, you type it and you see it deal. So this is kind of an extension of that. And I'd always had the chat room open uh, for anyone who might have any kind of idea about an event they'd like to run in the room. And so the very same uh, principle applies here with Poetry Superhighway Live. If you've got uh, a show idea, you want to interview someone, you want to have a publication uh, broadcast for something that's coming out, or anything at all related to poetry and writing, then I encourage you to send me an email at rick at poetrysuperhighway.com, and I'll be happy to help facilitate that. The mission of the Poetry Superhighway is to expose as many people to as many other people's poetry as possible, and this is just our uh, latest venture in trying to make that happen. So, uh, today, as I mentioned, we're interviewing the judges of the Poetry Superhighway contest, and I have with me uh, P.B. Rippey. Hi, P.B. Hi. Welcome. And Steve Norwood. Hello. How's it going? Welcome to both of you. Very good. So uh, uh, also, Catherine Gordon is supposed to join us. She's the third judge. She's not on the line yet, but I hope she uh, calls in soon. And I just would like to let uh, everyone know who may be listening that uh, you are invited to call in with your questions for the judges. Perhaps you're considering entering the contest or or you'll just have a question after something that they say. The call-in number, which is uh, right there on the page that you you had to go to, to to listen in, but here it is anyway, is area code 646-716-7362. Or, if you'd like, you can also uh, send me your questions via instant message. Uh, my uh, screen name on America Online Instant Message is Rick Poet. Yes, very creative. Thank you. So uh, I'd like to start out by uh, asking you guys a couple of uh, general questions. Um, um, uh, anyone can go first, and, and feel free to chime in if you have a response to, to, to what someone else said. But maybe you guys can tell us just a little bit about uh, about yourselves uh, outside of poetry, where you live, what you do for a living, that kind of thing. Um, Steve, you want to go first? Sure, sure. Um, I uh, live in the Dallas area in a city called Louisville. And uh, basically I've been... Uh, been writing poetry or or something for uh, as many years as I can remember. I started off at a pretty young age writing different things, but seriously writing poetry for probably the last 15 to 20 years. And um, uh, not a lot of publication in that time percentage-wise, but I think we all know that that's a difficult game to start with. Um, I I have a a 9-to-5 job that, you know, prevents me from... uh, uh, you know, traveling the world with it, but I, I guess that's another thing everybody has to deal with. Um, and uh, I have a, a wife and a son, and uh, both of them are 
are interested in writing as well. My wife has been a poet for quite a few years herself, and my son, who's only 17, um, has actually written quite a bit for school projects, and uh, you know, it kind of makes the old man proud to know that his uh, his uh, child is uh, talented as well in that way. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, and uh, did you say what you did for a living outside of poetry? Uh, well, um, what I do. And I suppose a, you don't have to either if you don't want. To. Well, technically, what I do for a living, I'm, I, I work with a uh, with a warehouse company that uh, basically I, I handle uh, customer products going in and out of the, the warehouse. It has nothing to do with writing, but um, I, I write regularly. I, I uh, occasionally attend some local functions with some of the uh, some of the slam groups in the area, and. Uh, um, basically, I'm 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 trying to stay close to home and and keep writing and keep sending stuff out for submission's sake, because uh, ultimately I see I see getting published as the as the key thing, but uh, we all know how difficult a game that can be. So uh, yeah. fortunately, there are there are uh, places like uh, Superhighway that uh, have. Uh, uh, easy access to uh, situations like uh, the features weekly and the, uh, the annual contest stuff like that. Are, are you saying that we're easy? No, not <laughs> at all. As you know, Rick, I've been I've been submitting to you for years now, and uh, and last year I I did come in first, but uh, I tell you that was kind of a shock to me. So you know, it, it's uh, it's a tough game. Right. You know, it's, it's just fine. Just a, an aside on Texas, a, a very good poet and friend of mine named Robert Wynn, who lived in Los Angeles, uh, moved to Texas to work in a, in a similar uh, industry that you're in. And so I, I'm, I'm guessing that Texas must be a nexus for, for poets with, with kind of, you know, that kind of job. Uh, it's possible. I'm surprised that, uh, that poets everywhere aren't stuck in really grinding daily jobs because uh, it seems like the only way you can... Uh, make ends meet basically it, it, i don't think people are making ends meet on on poetry these days very very few are i mean uh, you know it, even w- the most successful poets you know have to have to be teachers as well um to really make to, to make their living it's 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 just really an, a very small handful who uh who literally can make their living with their poetry and their readings and that kind of thing <clears throat> so you're right there it is a tough game um, so PB, tell us about yourself. Where where do you live? And uh, you know, Steve, you sort of preempted the, the the second question is is how you came to poetry and what's your current involvement. So if you want to, PB, if you want to launch into that too, that'd be great. Okay. Um, well, I'm based in North Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. It's very hot <laughs> right now. Um, I'm down the street from you, so I. I <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you know. God, um, I've. <clears throat> been writing for a long time. I write poetry, short stories. I'm working on a novel for middle grade children. That one's actually done, so I'm in the marketing process. And then I'm writing <clears throat> an quote unquote adult novel, but not the X rated kind. And <clears throat> during the day, I run a doctoral program at USC that focuses on creative writing and literature. So I'm really lucky there that I'm surrounded by books and nutty professors all day and I, I get to pick their brains and, and the students are great. So that's an inspiring environment to be in, but still it's a job and it's always a challenge trying to find your, your writing time. Uh, but somehow I do it. I'm about to become a mother in November, so then I figure, you know, I'll just have tons of time to write. 
and get it all together. <laughs> I hear babies don't take up any time at all. You're, you're oh, right. Oh, no. It'll be a breeze, I'm sure. So I will successfully marry motherhood and writing. Um, and so I guess, yeah, with the, the publishing part, I just persevered. There's a poet I really love, Gail Romsky, who is at uh, Loyola in Los Angeles, and she always says, you know, persistence is the best payoff ever. And I think she's right. Um, I do try to study as much as I can and read as much as I can. And um, that helps as far as inspiration in my own work. And I go to a, a poetry fiction workshop, and that helps. And, and um, as you point out, Rick, on your website, there's so much going on in Los Angeles. It's really nice to to have um, so many different influences available to you, whether through the LA Library or Poetry Superhighway and all the readings and there's an eclectic yeah. mix, I think. Although I, I'm in LA, you know, uh, being, I, I guess, uh, Poetry Superhighway is, is not, you know, outside of the fact that it's based here, is not necessarily right, in LA. Right, right, right. But, but you're right, there is a ton here and, and lots of resources. I mean, if you wanted to go to two readings every day, uh, literally mm-hmm. every day of the week, you certainly could. There's There's plenty to do here. Um, in you know, in every every venue, whether it's slam or a straight reading or something more mm-hmm. academic or or et cetera, you know. So uh, you're absolutely yeah. right. Um, is it is it that way in 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 Texas where you live, or do, do you have a, a good amount to choose from, Steve? You know, we we have a, a pretty constantly evolving uh, group of of artists and writers locally that, and, and you've got to understand when I say the Dallas area, really I should say the Dallas Fort Worth area because it's it's pretty much one little section of the state, and uh, we we have pretty much daily events. We have uh, we have a pretty serious slam scene uh, here locally, both in uh, a couple of slams in the Dallas area. We have a Fort Worth slam. Uh, there are slams in a couple of the different smaller outlying cities like Denton and McKinney. Um, names that probably wouldn't mean as much to anyone outside of the area, so sorry about that. And uh, and then we have non-slam venues as well and, and open mics and readings um, pretty regularly throughout the course of a month. So I would say that, yeah, y- you might have to search it out, but it's out there, and, and there are a lot of people taking part on a regular basis. Uh, so it's a it's a pretty busy scene. I will, I will gander... Uh, I will guess that it's not nearly as busy as, say, the L.A. or San Francisco or, or some of those areas where things just seem to be constant. Like you were saying, two a day is nothing. So, uh, see, it's not that, but I think for our area it is is quite busy. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess what's interesting about it is that, you know, I suppose most of the people who uh, who are anywhere aren't really aware that there are any kind of readings at all. So... You know, uh, it's not per se a contest between L.A. and Dallas or, or anywhere, but if, you know, people are surprised to learn that anything's going on, in particular if, if they're not involved with poetry or, or that kind of thing. So it sounds like you have a really rich rich scene, uh, and it, it sounds great. Um, great. Well, <clears throat> Catherine, is, so do you teach at, at UCLA Extension or part of the, the regular school? Oh, not Catherine. I'm sorry, PB. Oh, uh, USC. Oh, USC. No, I oh, okay. I don't teach. I run the, the uh, doctoral program there. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, I'm on the advising administrative side of it. Excellent. 
All right. Well, um, I want to uh, get to. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys to share a poem uh, by uh, by someone else. I asked you to do that um, uh, ahead of time, so um, we can get an idea of of who your influences are and such. I just want to once again let people know that um, if anyone wants to call in with any questions, we have online the two uh, two of the three judges of our currently running poetry contest. You can call in at area code six four six seven one six. 7362, and we'll put you on, or you can uh, instant message questions to me at rickpoet at uh, AIM instant message. So uh, let's see. Um, not sure which one of you would go first, but I think it, it's, it's... I should also actually mention that you uh, you two uh, are the two of the top three winners of last year's poetry contest, and so uh, perhaps a live congratulations is in order. Congratulations to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, for those of you who uh, may be listening who don't know, the way uh, generally I pick judges for the current running contest is by asking the people who won the previous year's contest. So it's an interesting cycle, and it, and it kind of means also that if, if you entered the contest last year and you got a particular score on your poems and you chose to enter again this year, you could get a completely different score because the sensibility is has completely changed. Um, with that in mind, let's let's hear uh, about your sensibility. Um, maybe before you 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 both read a poem uh, that you chose to read by someone else, you could talk about your influences in poetry, uh, the the poets who you like or you you started out liking and who you're reading now and into. Sure. Uh, PB, let PB go first. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, I think um, my first major major in was um, Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> that was a while ago, and I moved on to Ellen Bryant Voigt, who I just think is a phenomenal, uh, one of our best in the U.S. And I went to Breadloaf, the Breadloaf Writers Conference here, and had a workshop with her, and it was just, I learned so much from her um, about poetics and what is a poem, and so I'd say she was probably my biggest influence where I work now, I'm lucky enough to be in contact with the poet Carol Muskie Duke. She's mm-hmm. just amazing, and and um, if she critiques your work, holds nothing back, which is great. And so you can really, I felt like I really excelled with her as a mentor. And so I say that those two were my have been my biggest influences. Um, what else am I supposed to say? <laughs> Um, would you like to share a poem by someone? Yes, I would. Um, I'm, there's a poet, it's really sad, her name is Sarah Hannah, and she recently passed away. And she was only 40, I think just 40, and was really, I feel, just starting to come into her own. She had a first book out called Longing Distance, which I highly recommend reading. Tupelo Press puts it out, and they're putting out her second book. I think next month, and I, I just absolutely adore her. Um, she has an intense connection, I think, between humans and and nature, and expresses that really well. And she's clever, interesting, mesmerizing, insightful. And I really hope that people will continue to read her. And she left way, way too soon. Hmm. So um, <clears throat> her poem is called. You furs, F-U-R-Z-E, me gorse. And it starts with a quote from Tennyson that says, the only true synonym 
in the English language are furs and gorse. <laughs> furs, gorse, of equal and abiding value, but for the speed of each word off the lips. The warm and cornucopic cup of you, hanging on by the very fingertips of the lazy Z. <clears throat> furs, you would lie luxurious. You would make a mattress. You would carry yellow torches nightly, barbed fingers circling in slow caress. Raise the lamps high. Let us look at ourselves. Once a tender union, now turned fierce, twins scratching across sands and rocky shelves, furs, gorse, which cuts worse. The claws that grab and cling, purpling the skin with a sudden spike that stabs and run. That's the poem. Mm, wonderful. <clears throat> Very he nice. Really lovely. <clears throat> the, I, this is going to sound silly, but the, when you got to the line, the claws that bite, I, I immediately, you know, Jabberwocky jumped into my head, which has a, a similar <laughs> line, but obviously a very different poem. Um, Andrew, can, you, can you say the author's name again? Hannah is her name. All right. The last name is H-A-N-N-A-H. Cool. Well, thank you very much for that. So, Steve, what do you got for us? Well, uh, as far as influences go, um, I, I was introduced at a, a particularly young age to Charles Bukowski, who I know hmm. has a pretty divided camp of, of, uh, of followers. Um, and uh, so for a while, that was, that was something that I was into very heavily and for a while not really reading much else but as I got older I, I tended to to look in different directions and I would say that probably Bukowski, Tom Gunn and Gregory Corso are three of my favorite poets and also heaviest influences and um, I, I, I've greatly enjoyed their work uh, overall uh, I got to see Tom Gunn a, a couple of years before his death at a live event in Dallas and and that was that was great. That was really before I had read a lot of his work, and so it was it was really uh, a very interesting and new thing for me. But I uh, it started me off on a on a nice path reading his work. Uh, the the piece I'd like to read is actually a Corso uh, poem called "For Homer." There's rust on the old truths, ironclad cliches erode. New lies don't smell as nice as new shoes. I've years of poems to type up, 40 years of smoking to stop. I've no steady income, no home. And because my hands are autochtonic, I can never wash them enough. I feel dumb. I feel like an old mangy bull crashing through the red rag of an alcoholic day. Yet it's all so beautiful, isn't it? How perfect the entire system of things the human body, all in proportion to its form, nothing useless, truly as though a god had indeed warranted it so, and the sun for day, the moon for night, and the grass, the cow, the milk, that we all in time die, you'd think there would be chaos, the futility of it all. But children are born, oft times spitting images of us, and the inequities, Millions doled one nilch for another, both in the same leaky lifeboat. I've no religion, and I'd as soon worship Hermes 
And there is no tomorrow. There's only right here and now. You and whomever you're with, alive as always. And ever ignorant of that death you'll never know. And all's well that is done. A Helene happiness pervades the peace, and the gift keeps on coming. A work begun splendidly done, to see people aware and kind, at ease and contained of wonder, like the dreams of the blind. The heavens speak through our lips. All's caught what could not be found. All's brought what was left behind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's odd. This is the first time I've done something like this, and I, I hear a lot of poetry read because uh, I host a, a weekly poetry reading at a venue here in Los Angeles, and typically at the end of uh, you know a poem that someone reads, there's applause or some kind of reaction <laughs> and um um now i've decided i'm never going to go into radio <laughs> as a result of this because it's uh it's uh it, it's a little odd uh, uh there should be something which should happen maybe i can put in an, an applause uh, sound effect or something uh, in here thank you guys very much for sharing both those you know, on those particular poems of course the purpose of this uh this uh conversation is to give people insights into into you guys and, and and how it is that you'll be scoring poems. And I have some specific questions on that in a little bit. But um, in choosing the two poems that you did, um, is there anything that you could communicate uh, to anyone who might be considering entering um, our contest uh, using these particular poems? Gosh. <laughs> um, wow. That's a... That's a tough question because, you know, what you really want people to do is just write the thing that they care about the most and that they feel strongest about and not worry about what anybody else is doing mm-hmm. and maybe not be too influenced by any one writer that they really like or, or person that they've heard before. And you kind of just want them to, you know, get their own voice and, and go with it. But, uh, you know, in in looking at the poems that have been submitted so far and in, and in just thinking about what I've seen people put out there. Um, and, and by, by people, I mean, I mean, non-professional, but people that haven't been published greatly, people that are just kind of throwing their work out on the web, you know, right. Um, what I find surprising is that, um, people don't seem to be really concerned about things like, spelling and word use, correct word use, and making up words and things like that. And, and it sounds silly to say that, but, but I see a lot of that, and it makes me kind of, it just makes me kind of wonder how seriously they're taking it or if it's just because they're so wrapped up in, in the thing that they're experiencing at that moment when they're writing it that they're, they're not worrying about the mechanics. And... So, you know, I, a lot of that stuff jumps out at me. I don't know. It might have been because I was an English major. but uh, And don't hold that against me. But, um, uh, you know, a lot of those things jump out at me as I'm reading something, and it makes it kind of hard to push through it. But, but you want to, you know, you want to give everybody a fair chance. I was just, you know, a, a question I would have asked later, but, but you kind of got to it now, is, is uh, are those the kind of things that would affect, um, you know, your scoring of a poem, uh, if, you know, spelling errors and that kind of thing, if, if you knew what the author really meant and there was a typo or something of that nature? 
No, no, you know, if it's if it's good stuff, I'll overlook it. If if I think that they that they had a point and they had a strong emotional connection well, to whatever they were writing about and they mm-hmm. they sounded like they really meant it, um, you know, I'll I'll let some of that stuff fly, but if it starts to bog me down and I think it's they're just kind of not paying attention and and what they're doing sounds a little too trivial or a little too trite, I, you know, it, it works against it for me. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's so important to feel comfortable enough when you're reading a poem that the author uh, knows what they're doing, has paid ultimate attention to the poem. It's, of course, that important to them, and then I can just relax and enjoy it. If there's a typo here or there, that's that's fine, but but it's true. I think there tends to sometimes be a sloppiness that can enter in that I don't really understand, but I think it's really important I think people can get excited writing a poem and forget to spell <laughs> check or whatever, but it's so important to go back and look at what you've written and ask yourself about what you've written. And and also, I I, told, I really think it's important to ask yourself what, what might the reader think? What am I conveying to my reader? As far as the poem overall? Yes. Right. So I, I should, you know, since this has come up, I, I just want to mention that uh, as poems come in, I don't edit them or, or correct anything. And sometimes I notice typos or spelling errors and that kind of thing. And I, you know, in particular as an editor who receives a lot of stuff uh, in email, I, I don't necessarily think it's my job to, to fix stuff. So you should know if you're entering the contest, your poems are going to be sent to the judges, you know, exactly as you entered them. So, um, and I... Uh, I, I do agree that you know when I'm reading work to, for poet of the week consideration, I, if there's if something seems really sloppy and and not purposeful, then then uh, it really is distracting and it prevents me from being able to ap- appreciate the poem. So um, I, I think uh, I think you're right. We can overlook uh, something every now and then if it's if it seems like an honest mistake and the poem is is honest and from the poet's voice and and really works, but. But I also think it's important for people to know that they shouldn't send in in sloppy work and 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 you know uh, on top of which a typo could change the whole meaning of a poem as well. True. Now, Rick, I'm curious. Do you on the annual contest? Do you read everything that comes through, or do you send it out cold to the judges? Uh, I I send it out cold for the most part because uh, especially in in the heat of the contest and it it's and we've had maybe about thirty entries so far, uh, actually about, about 25 and then maybe another 20 or so that have come in that or the entry fees haven't come in, so I haven't sent them off yet. But um, it's, a, it's too much work for me to do because I'm also reading uh, a lot of work every week for Poet of the Week consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, it's almost embarrassing to say, but most of the actual reading I do is, uh, is Poet of the Week submissions because it just mm-hmm. takes so much time to do. So with that in mind, I, you know, I, some some editors claim uh, that you know if you don't follow submission guidelines and that sort of thing, that your your work will be tossed out, you know, unread, and uh, that's something which I didn't feel so good about when I first started. But but years into it, this is the tenth year of the Poetry Superhighway. I kind of understand. You know, you get so much work in for a contest or for a weekly submission that. You know, you've you've set up guidelines to help sort of streamline 
your process to be able to actually get through all the stuff, you know. Right. And if 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 so many people, you know, don't don't pay attention to the guidelines, it 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 just makes it more difficult and time consuming. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, let's see. Uh, PB, I think I there was a question I asked to Steve. I was going to ask to you, uh, but we got uh, off on another tangent. Uh, <laughs> We've made him jump around on his page of questions. That's <laughs> what's happened. You know, this was all planned out, and, and frankly, you folks have, have destroyed this. Born poets. Um, oh well, actually, you know, PB, did you did you you didn't answer the question of, of what about your particular uh, poem that you read? Uh, what I look for. Well, more specifically, the poem that you read, um, oh. is there anything in that poem uh, that, that you might communicate to our potential contest entrants on, on you know, what they should be looking for? And, I, you know, you brought up a good point, Steve. It's not about imitating the, the voice of the poet that you read, but, you know, what, you know, are there more general things on, on these poems that you two read that, that make it a good, good poem? Well, the poem is... One reason I like it is it's it's very tight, and she doesn't stray from her subject matter, <clears throat> and she explores it with such clarity. It just thrills me. I I just absolutely love that. And each line I feel like has been played clo- close attention to, and um, the flow of the whole poem is, you know, those are all. I think those are all elements that really strike me. Um, when I'm reading, and that I appreciate. And can I just add on the Corso piece, um, he sure seems to be talking about himself, but I think what the message he's conveying is something much bigger than himself, much more global. And, And I think as hard as it is not for poets to write about themselves, I think you always get better results when you don't write about yourself and and that I'll be the first to say the majority of the things I write end up being something about me and how I write or how I live and and when I read those later I always go well you know how is this going to appeal to other writers or readers more importantly um, if it's just about me so I, I think if you're able to attach what you're writing to a, a bigger theme it's always better. Which may be actually be sitting there in your poem and, and you don't even know it until you go back and take another look. And Sure, yeah. And uh, off it goes somewhere else. So do you agree with that, PB, that uh, the, the poem is better if it's not about you? Oh, well, um, I, I think mine tend to be very personal, but I, you know, I, I really think it's a fine line because you can... Read a poem that's just so not interesting. That's about the person. <laughs> it's kind of scary. But there's also poems that are so intensely personable, personal that you know I feel marry the lyric and the narrative and the poetic elements so well. You're just riveted, and you could read all day about that person. So I think it's really how you how you present it and how strongly you feel about your subject, whether it's yourself or a universal matter. Yeah, I mean, a, a friend, my friend Robert Wynn, actually, who I mentioned earlier, who lives in Texas now, he he helped me edit a book a while back, and 
you know, it was about specific experiences that I had. And, you know, at one point I asked him, well, who's going who's gonna to care about this particular thing that I'm saying that, that I experienced or this person I'm talking about that, that I met and had a conversation with? And his answer was, well, you know, it's important because you're saying it's important in the poem. And just the mere fact that you bring it up you know, it makes it listenable and interesting. But, but you may be right, Steve. It it might not be enough. That you know, perhaps what what would make it uh, uh, interesting um, or better or uh, or make it connect to anyone else who's paying attention to it is its connection to a larger theme, which everyone can relate to. Yeah, I I, th- I think in most cases we end up talking about something on a grander scale. <laughs> Even if we're talking about ourselves, it's just there. There are times when the poem is pretty plainly just about the one thing you've done, and and maybe maybe not so important if importance is what you're looking for. Um, but uh, but it's a, it's a good argument. I mean, it, it would be it would be interesting to see how you could find the the grander theme in in what seems like very personal work. Right. All right, so the next task for you guys is to share one of your own poems. And after after that, um, I will definitely get into some specifics on what you're looking for uh, in when you're reading contest entries, as, as well as maybe a little bit on your experience so far. So, And I, and I would, you know, just as a heads up, I'm going to have the same question for you, the, the difficult question of, you know, the poem that you've picked of your own to read. Why why this particular poem for this for this conversation? Is there anything... Uh, about it that you know might be an interesting example uh, for the folks listening who are considering entering and um, uh, the answer could very well be no and you just picked a poem so that that's fine <laughs> that's fine too so um, this time that, we'll try to answer the question better <laughs> you know I am taking notes on the questions you're avoiding and, and this will be you know this will have an effect on your pay for the <laughs> judging the content. There's pay? <laughs> oh, oops. Um, <laughs> right, so, uh, PB, do you want to go first this time? Uh, sure. All right, let's hear your poem. Uh, this is a poem. Uh, I'll just say uh, there's a painting by Claude Monet that I really love, um, the Bordighera. And um, Claude Monet was once told that he needed to wear. <clears throat> eyeglasses so he tried to pair on and he said if the world really looks like that I will paint no more and rip them off and never try to wear glasses again um, so something about that painting and and uh, that quote uh, inspired this poem it's called if the world really looks like that trees sprouting from within trees mad bloom in the bloom brash fertility If I scrutinize the chronic melt of loomed mountains long enough, I will go blind. Tell me, will you die here or, flat hat in hand, create? Alone in the groggy afternoon, your heart is a quake in murky heat, your city's heel askew on shying pebbles. Beauty alone won't support the poet, as well-ransacked poets know here watching you unearth bodies in mute, flagrant paradise. When I ask, paradise, my house, you say, again, will you die or summon another stroke? Such admired strokes, heat, Bella, heat. You are the wedding yucca, 
though wildly in season, your blossom-white shutters, your muddled poise. You are the villa's one shadow, dim relief. You, maniac, you see impressions, your obstinate fire bushes and persistent overripe leaves. Wander on. I will find a subtly mountainous bed of my own, one strictly paradise wrapped, bold quest for strength, her hand in my hand as we meet the quavered distance, the gauzy continental villa calm, and anything but motionless peopling your master street. And if the world really looks like that, if the world really looks like that, liberty before I'm done. Wow. <laughs> Very nice. That's amazing. For so many reasons, uh, and did I particularly enjoy that? But Monet is my favorite painter to begin with. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, my wife and I are heading to Paris in a, in a few weeks, and we plan on looking at a lot of Monet there. Um, Fantastic. And I, you know, I, I guess as poets, uh, the interesting thing with the eyeglasses metaphor uh, or, or or anecdote, you know, is that we. Uh, perhaps we're poets because we all see the world through our own unique filter and uh, have have some kind of need. I suppose uh, the word poet could be replaced by artist of any kind, but we we see the world through our own filter, and it's that filter which we which we communicate back to people in our in our work. Um, so that is interesting, and 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 uh, now I, I have perfect vision, but. Um, you know, it just occurred to me. I, I suppose if I if I put on glasses, would I would I be seeing the world in a in a different way? You know, and mm-hmm. is that is that the right way? You know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe the glasses corrected Monet's vision, but but it but it it altered his vision. You know, from what it mm-hmm. what it really was. So um, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, any words on that particular poem on on why you you chose it? Um. <laughs> Again, feel free to say absolutely not. Stop asking that, and that would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I chose it um, partly because it's written in couplets, so it's easy to read when you're nervous, and <laughs> partly because it's it's been a work in progress for about the last six months, and I want to see how it sounded. <laughs> but um, I suppose... If anything that I hope the poem has is is a a sort of a through line or a, a clarity of voice of some kind, um, I, I think that's what I'd say. It's good advice. You know, I, in case you're nervous or Steve, you're nervous or you know, one of the old tricks is you can always imagine the audience naked. <laughs> I'm not sure how well that works in radio, but. Uh, <laughs> No, I haven't received any instant messages uh, with questions yet, but several people have, have, have messaged saying they're not wearing pants. So, uh, you know, if that at all makes it easier for, for, for either of you. Um, well, it is the Internet after all. <laughs> right. That's, you know, that's, that's the main purpose, of course. Um, Steve, um, what poem do you have? Uh, I have a piece called Lake Bed. Let me, uh, let me just go ahead and read it before we discuss We quarrel as if bound in sensual fashion. The water of the lake evaporates, exposing the ravenous weed that fills every open space. The fearless pigeons no longer guardian our days. They sit and squabble blindly in driving spaces, under limbs and into shadow, and they leap to flight when machines roll past or just over them. We skirt the puddle, 
the smallest sparrow sitting still. Concerned she will not move fast enough, we react. Fear, groan, curse, sigh relief, and steer slowly past what we think is easily destroyed, forgetting the wings. I, we, they, shatter like bombs with microscopic horror, lacking physical damage but managing a great and sudden rending of flesh, tears, and saliva while pressing close every ounce of the fool's end. When through, our lungs fill with sweet surrounding, muscles untense, eyes close, mouths soften, teeth are hidden, bodies are laid open or tucked in blankets, hands stroke sweat from hair, and hair dries in an oblong slope, skin cools as generators reset to a common pace. Toes uncurl, grass lengthens, trees ripen, the lake fills fresh. Below the surface, the weed nurtures itself with brackish felt that lines the lower pockets where instinct is nestled, set to spring forth with sublime and resilient predictability. Now, the thing about that piece is that I'm not sure I chose it for any reason other than the simple fact that it's shorter than most of my stuff, mm-hmm. separating out the haikus. And uh, and I figured, well, for time's sake, with three judges, and I'm trying to calculate two pieces, you know, I better pick a shorter one because you know I don't want to take up too much time. That's one reason why. As far as what it means, I you know, I, I hate explaining poems. I don't know if that sounds bad to people if they're like, oh, he doesn't know what it means or he doesn't want to talk about it or something like that. But, um, I mean, it basically, there, there were three things swirling through my head at the time of writing it. One was an incredible sexual experience with my wife. One was the fact that birds keep getting killed in the area where we live by on, you know, bypassing cars and, and vehicles driving through the lot really fast. And there's this strange South American weed growing in the lake behind their complex that is just, taking over all wildlife in the area and they won't come out and kill it off and so those three things as strange and separate as they are kind of were coming together on this and and that's what i ended up with wow so uh you know try commenting on that (laughs) (laughs) well it is the internet again i could pretty much anything at this point uh consummation uh, bird death and weed uh, <laughs> is probably enough of a comment, frankly. Um, the, though, actually, what I thought was interesting, uh, well, one of the things I thought was interesting was the fact that you chose it because it was was short, and you know, perhaps you had the audience, uh, the perceived audience of this particular broadcast in mind when you when you chose it. And I know sometimes when I'm at a, a live reading. You know, I might uh, participate in the open reading and uh, pick a couple of poems based on the experience of, of, of being at that reading and what other people have read, um, or, you know, based on the time limit that I have, etc. And so I'm wondering um, if... Um, I'm wondering if, if if that's somehow good advice for people considering entering the contest. I mean, you know, should they... Should they try to write? Should they try to send stuff? You know, after having listened to your poems uh, or reading your work, or um, or do you think that they can stray f- from that and and really stick to their own voice? Oh heavens, no! They need to stick to their own voice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing about like I, 
we occasionally go to the to the local slams, and the local slams is a very obvious thing. You know, you've got three minutes to to get your poem out, so your your time restriction is pretty much set from the word go, and and you know what you need to do. And then open mics around here, at least, my experience has been that you're you're limited to a certain number of very few minutes because there are enough people that want to read. So I think usually, if you're writing big opuses, you're taking a chance at, at taking those out to any kind of open mic or reading. Uh, so you kind of have to pick smaller stuff just for the experience of being able to get up there and finish your work. Um, I, yeah, I would definitely recommend that people just, you know, ignore us completely and and do their thing and go at it with gusto and then and then send in everything they've got and, and we'll we'll see what we get. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I can't stand say, you know, twenty four line limit. I think well, I don't have anything twenty four lines and then you know, I'm paying money to enter a contest and I don't want to be pulled but I have to have this this twenty four line limit. I mean it's it's so much more fulfilling to be able to send in work you feel really strongly about thirty four lines or sixty lines, whatever. Um Dear Rick, that's why we like your contest. <laughs> and you did very well in it last year, as a matter of fact. Wow. I, well, you know, there are no limits whatsoever, uh, you know, for pretty much with any, you know, poetry superhighway project where you're submitting poetry. There, there's, no, there's no qualifications on, on style of poem, etc. You know, that doesn't mean that, that you know, I, I don't enjoy or not enjoy particular things, um, which actually leads to my next question. I, I get a, a lot... I don't know if... Do either of you do any editing, or have you had the chance to edit a... Uh, an anthology or, or something where you had submissions coming in that you had to look at before this contest? I have not. No, I haven't. Okay, well, from my experience, you know, I, you know, I have a certain sensibility, and there, there's certain poetry that I that I really enjoy, and there's poetry that I personally don't think is very good, and there's also stuff which comes in which is not necessarily either. It's stuff which I kind of recognize as, you know, this is a really solid example of this particular kind of poem, and I, I get what they're saying, and they did it well, but I don't necessarily particularly, you know, the poem doesn't necessarily speak to me. Does that does that make sense to you? Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, so I mean, one of the qualifications that I, that I sometimes give, and I'm wondering if this will have, you know, if this is sort of a similar sensibility that you two will have when you're scoring poems, but, you know, sometimes... Um, I'll actually publish poets as poet of the week. Uh, no one listening to this, of course, um, whose work again falls into that exact category. It, it wasn't, you know, the thing that that I just said wow about, but I thought, you know, this is really solid work, and and this will expose people to a, a different kind of thing that you know that uh, that that they'll enjoy, even though it might not be my exact thing. I mean, is is that the kind of sensibility in play when you guys are looking at the poems that are coming in, or will it be? Um, I, I say for me, absolutely. I try and keep an open mind. I um, there are certain kinds of intensely lyrical poetry um, or poets that are very hard for me to read and relate to. But I think I I come away with a certain appreciation for a style, um, and I think that's so important. My favorite journals are the ones that um, mix styles of poetry and don't focus on any particular type. Um, I think it's wonderful to get an exposure to all sorts of poetry. So I, I always keep an open mind and I try and approach 
when I'm reading and just tend it's something that I would see in the New Yorker or, or whatever so that I don't um, so that I don't take the poem less seriously than it should be taken and I think that can happen if I'm not really in tune to a particular style if that makes sense sure yeah I try Absolutely. to be careful about that what about you Steve well, I actually, I think, yeah, I agree with PB entirely. I do think it would be really rewarding if a poem that I graded much higher, scored much higher, ended up being something that normally I would not give the time of day to, because that, to me, would mean that I was able to see something so strong in it, despite the intent or the message that I didn't agree with for some reason. Uh, that I was still scoring it highly. I, I think probably, and I have no reason to kiss up to you right now because I've already got the job, uh, <laughs> but I think it, it says a lot uh, about what you're doing there on a weekly basis that you would put something out there as a feature that wasn't necessarily your kind of stuff, you know, stuff you would buy, uh, you know, have on your shelves at home or something like that, that you could just see that it's good work and it deserves publication. Um, so I, I think uh, you're to be applauded for that. But uh, but yeah, I, I think the main thing is just to just to recognize really solid artistic work and and you know try to be a little leery of messages you disagree with and things like that. Well, that's an interesting comment. Messages you disagree. You know, I suppose that there could be you know say say I was a you know a liberal Democrat or something and 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 uh, you know someone wrote a poem. Uh, you know that was espousing you know conservative ideas in some way, but it was you know maybe the best written poem I'd heard in in some time. I, I certainly would would put it up if 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 that was the case. You know I th- I think that's that's definitely really important. You know it, if uh, you know something could be really well written that you completely disagree with. I think that's the challenge for us as the judges to to do just that is to pay strict attention to. The quality of the work and and not get bogged down in our personal feelings about what they're saying, although that's also going to be the hardest thing for us to do because those will be the things that that pop out the most mm-hmm. right so do you, uh, I haven't really asked this general question yet, but uh, you've you've had uh, about twenty five poems I think so far. Um, what are you looking for in the poems that that you've read or the, that the poems will come in? What are some good general well, maybe just comment on the ones that have come in so far, maybe some observations that might be helpful to people without, of course, giving away what it is that you've read. <laughs> PB? Um, well, I think there's some really nice ones coming in um, that appeal to what I look for, which is the clarity of the thought, voice, of the movement in the poem, possibly a through line. Um, a sense of place or a, a mood. Um, there's some, also a really clever, witty one I read today that just had me laughing. It was great. Um, and I knew exactly what the author was saying and, and enjoyed the ride. That's always nice. Um, and, and I don't think what I look for has to bridge huge, meaningful, um, or make a meaningful bridge between itself and me. Um, but it's it's really nice to be drawn to a poem. And if I am, I try and ask 
why? How did that just happen? And sometimes it doesn't matter why, um, but I'm drawn in in any way. Um, and there's a few, there's a couple like that that actually I read today that I just, I love. So uh, I think the clarity of thought and voice is, is biggest for me. That's great. Before I let you answer, Steve, I just want to remind people that uh, we've got a little less than 10 minutes in the show left, but if anyone wants to call in with questions, the number is 646-716-7362. That's the number on the Blog Talk radio page as well. Or you can instant message your, your uh, questions to me. My screen name for uh, AIM is Rick Poet. There is a caller on the line um, from the 519 area code. I'm going to uh, put you on in just a sec, but Steve, I'd love to hear your answer to that question first. Well, I really I like to see a, a, a consistency in the tone and the format of the piece, and uh, I'm I, I think if you start off one way and you end up going another way, again, if it if it's really well constructed, then then that's okay. But sometimes if you if you change directions a little too sharply in the middle or or half you know two thirds of the way through a piece, um, that can be a little jarring, and sometimes it, it takes you out of the moment for lack of a better phrase. Um, I, I'm not the biggest fan of, of rhyming verse or, or um, kind of sing-song rhythms in, in poetry, and, and that doesn't mean, again, that I might not find one that I thought was really great, but that's something that I, it really has to be powerful and good for me to appreciate it, just because I, I'm, I'm not fond of that. And, um, and again, I think the thing we've been discussing pretty much the entire hour, which is that you know, if your if your voice and your intent and your message is, is clear and strong, and you obviously believe it, it's genuine. Uh, I think that comes across a lot better than than if you're just kind of doing something because that's the you know the the trend. Yeah, you know, I I have to uh, share your um, your sensibility about uh, rhyming uh, sing-songy poetry I, I also that's that's if you if you if you've been a reader of the poetry superhighway for any amount of time you'll notice that there's probably less of that than anything else and it you know i i tend to if i notice a rhyme scheme it tends to be very distracting to me um and uh, with that having been said some of the best you know i guess the challenge of of, of writing a, a rhyming poem is is making it so one doesn't notice the the rhyme scheme, or at least in my opinion, those are those are the better ones. Um, by the way, if you hear any um, screeching in the background, my cat <laughs> seems to be uh, fighting, um, and that's uh, not a comment on either of you. Uh, I think that they are actually arguing about poetry, but but separate poetry issues um, that have nothing to do with this. Um, I uh, would like to go to a caller right now. We have online um, uh, someone from the 519 area code. Are you there? Yes, it is, and it's me, Catherine Gordon, and have I missed this program? <laughs> I thought I was calling it exactly uh, five to six my time, but did I get it wrong? Um, I'm 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 not sure where you live, but I think you got it wrong. Because oh, I missed the program. That sounds like me. That's a poet for you. <laughs> oh, I was so anxious even just to hear your voices and hear the other judges and to hear you, of course. Um, and I, uh, I'm one of your judges, Rick. I, I, I know. I'm well aware of that. Uh, dear. Um, I, I'm, what did I do wrong? I had the wrong time. I, my computer yeah. told me. My globe told me. 
My Reader's Digest time told me. <laughs> but it is not so, eh? It just must be three hours or so, not four hours. Uh, that, I guess, I'm guessing that's the case. Uh, oh, wait, so how much time have we got left? I'm awfully glad just to even be on to say hello. Um, now then, uh, all I want from a poem is to entertain, amuse, or delight me. Shake me out of complacency. Use the power of poetry. Does that help? <laughs> well, that's, that's certainly, you know, that's better than anything the other two said the whole time. I, <laughs> No, I'm, well, that's I'm totally kidding. Totally. No, but so wait, uh, Catherine, welcome aboard for the last thank uh, four you. minutes thank of the show. Thank you so here. much. We, you're you're from the the uh, eastern edge of Canada, right? Yes, yes. Well, uh, it's <clears throat> southern Ontario, but I know it's south to you guys, and it's gorgeous weather some of the months of the year. So you're on Canada time, that's it. <laughs> right. It's briefly, oh, briefly. And that's why all the poets write here so anxiously of the changing seasons. We hate winter to come. But it is very beautiful here. I live in a very beautiful valley where you get to love all the seasons. Very secluded and private. Nice for poets. Wonderful. Well, I, you know, I should also mention that, that Catherine also returns her scores an hour later than the other two. I, I'm... I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm a terribly organized Virgo. <laughs> like, but it is a good thing to do that, and I, I hope, I have looked at the early ones and hope I'm not too harsh a judge. We'll just have to see how that plays out. But, Rick, I bet neither of them has any problems with the formatting of their email replies, right? He's wonderful. It's so organized. It's, uh, I have judged so many which end up in great heaps on my desk. This is the most organized and, I think, the fairest approach. A wonderful approach. Everybody knows they'll get read at least three times. <laughs> no, it's it's a good contest, Rick. Well, thank you. I'm I'm not going to to answer your question, Steve, because I don't want to embarrass anyone. But um, but uh, well, listen, we only have a couple minutes left, and I want to say um some things uh, uh right at the end. So do do any of you have uh, do you guys can we just go through and you guys want to say something something final advice to folks considering sending in their poems that you'll be reading. Um, PB, how about you? Uh, I would just say, above all, beware of cliché. Oh, good point. <laughs> but unless they put it in fresh language. I know there's some very old images. They could give us a new take on it. could be really fresh language. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, not to, uh, you know, like old, old images, but maybe they have a new uh, vision of it that might surprise you. Right. Sure. Even shock, that would be good. <laughs> Steve, what about you? I, I would just say, you know, choose the uh, choose the pieces that uh, you think are the most important, and the ones that you think are your actual very best work, and just send everything you got. Yeah. Can't wait to read it. Yeah, and read it over just once because some language could be changed. Um, make it as fresh. Uh, fresh an image as you can manage, not somebody's older older image, but something with a fresh new perspective that will leap out the page at you and make the judge catch it. Uh, words put side by side for some appeal. Um, just polish it once to take out all the uh, things that might have been said before. Try it a new way. Well, thank you, Catherine, for coming in. You are uh, so welcome. And I do apologize that I missed something on time. I tried. I should have checked with you before. 
And PB and Steve, thank you as well for being online. They Absolutely. sound wonderful, and I'm really glad thank to you. be judging them. Right. So I've got. Let me just uh, close up here. We've got 30 seconds. I want to thank PB Gordon, Catherine, uh, uh, PB, <laughs> kind of, you know, PB Rippy, Catherine <laughs> oh, Gordon, and Steve, and Steve Norwood for being uh, online today. Enter the Poetry Superhighway contest by going to poetrysuperhighway.com. All the info is there, and stay tuned for uh, other information about future PSH Live broadcasts. Um, thanks to everyone for listening and enter that contest. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, guys. Welcome. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, we're actually off the air now. Wow, okay. Um, but uh, so uh, just uh, perfect timing there. So uh, I don't know if you guys are still here, but uh, thank you so yeah. much again for uh, for doing this. It was a great conversation, and uh, I, I think we really covered a lot of ground. Well, thanks, Rick. We appreciate great. this. It went really fast. <laughs> it, it did. I, you know, I still had like three other, you know, questions. I yeah. Imagine what it would have been like if we'd had uh, actual callers. Right. Uh, this would have. We would have had no time to discuss anything. I know. <laughs> Catherine, are you still there? Oh, she's not there. She sounded like she had a lot to say too. So uh, I, I yeah. would imagine there's, there's no way we would have. <laughs> we just would have had to have been a two-hour effort. But uh, yeah. But less is more. Is another. Uh, another <laughs> That's another. right. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks, Rick. Thanks so much. That was really great. Yeah, likewise. Uh, thanks, Steve. Um, I'll uh, be emailing you a lot. And uh, PB, you should come out to the Cobalt Cafe sometime. To a yes, I will. I definitely yeah. will. I'm actually um, Amaranth Borsuk is a friend of mine, and uh-huh. she um, talked. And I, sadly, I missed that reading you gave at the Mountain Bar. I really wanted to go, but they had me work late. Um, but yeah, I definitely will get there at some point. Cool. All right. Well, um, you guys have a good have a good rest of your day. Thanks very much. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.